your humble journey is our sacred right. We'll bear that cross for you all through the night. Hello, and welcome back to Jawadawa, Part 6, Scene 24, Kill the Statue. Scene opens on Hoffman and Reynolds standing beside Hoffman's El Camino out in the middens. They're passing a joint back and forth as the planes fly low overhead. You heard the orca guy. We have to find the real killer. He takes a long drag. And I think I know who it is. I swear to God, if you say Robert Blake, I'm gonna... It's Wayne. The contractor? What? No, the guy, the actor, John Wayne. Hoffman nods. Hmm. That makes sense, I guess. Of course it does. He's this stupid American icon, or whatever Pocahontas called him. He spent a career blowing away Indians and embodied the entire American ethos of fuck you, I got mine. Stole all this land. He gestures around the airport. Killed all the animals, cut down all the trees, poisoned the water, the soil, killed or deported anyone who was in his way. He's the patron saint of everyone who wants you to get off their lawn. Well, that's how she made it sound. Sounds like a real dick. No wonder we got protesters. Anyway, I'm pretty sure he's behind all this shit around here. He tokes. We gotta take him down, Hoff. Way ahead of you, man. Hoffman closes his search engine and pockets his phone. Humdinger says he died in 1979. We did it. Reynolds stares. Hey, pay attention. Did we not travel to a spirit realm? This thing transcends the kingdoms of life and death. It's a vast, extraplanar, extratemporal anomaly. Motherfucker, that's what I've been trying to tell you. Hoffman shakes his head in disappointment. Fool. He takes the joint and bogarts it. So, uh, you got a plan, eh? Reynolds looks back at the El Camino. Yeah, but... It's probably gonna scratch the pain on this bad boy. What? Bernice? Hell no. In that case, let's, let's use my work car. Cut to Hoffman opening the door to a shed. Inside is a white Ford Bronco. Reynolds stares at it, then at him. Cuts a Reynolds standing in an orange vest and yellow hard hat and a pair of old cutoffs, looking like the village people construction worker guy. We pull back to see him in the airport atrium, standing with arms on his hips beside the statue of John Wayne, which has been roped off by yellow tape. There are construction guys all over, scaffolding, lots of bustle. Reynolds pulls out a walkie-talkie and starts talking. Okay. It's just like I said, all these construction guys are the perfect cover. The main doors are open for heavy traffic. Did you get the rebar? Hoffman speaks back through the walkie-talkie. You're breaking up, but I'm gonna assume you've got it under control. Mama bear out. Reynolds pockets the walkie-talkie and starts walking around the site, whistling get-along-home Cindy. One of the workers calls down. Hey, flash dance! Watch where you're prancing! Don't make me talk to your shop steward! In the background, we hear, from a distance but getting closer fast, the sound of a motor. Reynolds is the only one who seems to notice. Sweet fudging Zool. Here he comes. 
Reynolds moves to the side and the camera pans past the statue towards the open doors where we see the white Ford Bronco tear into view, a load of rebar sticking up the back. It barrels into the atrium, stops, pops into reverse, and floors it. The back of the Bronco makes contact with the base of the statue, which comes off the floor. The rebar shoots out, and several rods of it become embedded in the statue. A jug labeled Holy Water tumbles out from underneath the statue. God damn it, you buffalo jerkin' kickapoo! The statue groans and starts to tip. Reynolds, feigning outrage, hauls Hoffman out of the Bronco. You lunatic! You destroyed the statue of our beloved leader! The statue teeters. Don't make me come down there, you lily-livered tent flapper! Uh, I don't know what happened, sir. Honest, the, the clutch much the stucker. I just don't know. Ow! These goddamn rods are like getting a clap in your shins. Watch it. He's coming down. The statue topples over. The Duke's head landing just at their feet. You squall-licking fuck pony! You pox-filled spunk nugget! You red bastard coyote felted milk burglar! Why, you land commission bitch! How dare you limp from cut! You get back here, you lily liver! Airport babbles on for a while. Oh, he mad. Quick, get the chain! Hoffman grabs a length of chain from the back of the Bronco while Reynolds starts talking to the crowd in that weird, overloud, nothing-to-see-here voice of the obvious conspirator. Okay, well, I think we've got this under control. We'll just get Mr. Wayne up and off to get patched up and he'll be back in no time. The workers all stand around as Reynolds and Hoffman chain up the statue to the back of the Bronco. Reynolds commandeers a forklift. Finally, Hoffman drives off, half the statue sticking out the back. You yellow-bellied corn churner! I'm gonna cut off your nuts and feed them to your asshole! You sperm-belching panty-waist! I'm gonna make cow patties out of your tits and wear your ass for a hat! I once knew a woodchuck named Susan, so I would think... The airport keeps on ranting, but it fades away as the Bronco disappears. Cuts a Reynolds standing by the gaping crack in the ground where the statue was. A breeze blows through the atrium. He inhales. <sighs> Gasps. <coughs> Chokes. <coughs> but then smiles and nods. Hey, not bad. He goes and gets a worker. Hey, smell this. The worker shakes his head and wanders off. Reynolds looks around and sees all the construction guys are just sort of staring at him. He pulls himself together and claps his hands once. Back to work! The crew disperses. Reynolds leans over the hole in the ground and inhales deeply. (sighs) (sighs) Best hole I've smelled all week. Scene 25, Breath of Fresh Hair. It's a beautiful sunny day at John Wayne Airport. The skies have cleared overhead, and planes are landing and taking off smoothly on the runways. The mysterious smell that has haunted the place for so long seems to have lifted. We see Nick Reynolds out strolling around outside by the drop-off zone. He's smiling, taking deep breaths, and saying, Ah, a lot. Ah. He's back in his managerial suit, and he looks good. Even his posture has improved. As he strolls, he greets a few arriving passengers with a nod, a wave, and a, How do you do today? How do you do today? 
A bus pulls up, covered in streamers and banners, and the Mommy Smears STQ team piles out of it in jubilation. Atop their shoulders, they carry the Golden Snitch, who holds the fabled flat Stanley Cup held high. Reynolds greets them, and they toss him a bottle of champagne, which he shakes up and pops open all over them. As they pass inside, he pats a few of the big dykes on the rumps. He considers for a moment polishing off the champagne, but instead decides to give it away. Jesus approaches. You looking for someone to turn that wine into water for you? I was more thinking it should go to the poor and needy. Well, nuts. I don't even own underwear. Not that I need them. I guess that makes me poor and not needy. Not good enough in your book, eh? Reynolds thinks of a better solution and drops the bottle in a trash barrel and walks away. In the background, we see Jesus fighting off a couple of panhandlers to get into the barrel. Finally, a cabulance pulls up and Reynolds opens the door. We see Shaw K. Herbert in a little wheelchair scooter. Most of his body is in bandages. His hair is sticking out in all directions, and he has a neck brace and a little drool cup. But he is happy to see Reynolds and waves a little awkward shocker in his direction. Reynolds gives him the Spock in return. Shockey's eyes widen at the one-upmanship. The little motor whirs, and the wheelchair begins to slide out from the cabulance on a little extending ramp. A middle-aged man in an impeccable white business suit and CEO hair comes from around the other side of the cab and takes control of the wheelchair, getting it out onto the street. He pays the cabbie and the van drives off. Then he turns to Reynolds. Nick Reynolds, I presume. I'm Lance Handler from the law firm of Underwood Handler. Glad you can make it today, Lenny. It's a beautiful day. It sure is. Well... Let's go inside and sign these documents and make it even more beautifuler. He waves a stack of papers. I don't think you can say more beautifuler, Lancey boy. Well, I just did, so sue me. He slaps his knee and laughs at his brilliant lawyer joke. Ha! They stroll inside, with Shawkay following along on a scooter. They are joined by Joe Frank and Hamilton, who are carrying a camera and a cake, respectively. On the cake, there is a picture of a plane flying in a lightning storm. They stop up at the security line, just as the Smear the Queer players are clearing the scanners. The camera, instead of waiting, follows the players down the hall to the food court. Nothing says celebration like a hose full of chowder. The team cheers and carries the snitch onwards. As they get to the maitre d' desk for the hose, they arrive at almost exactly the same time as Peter Tucker, who appears to be back for more. His face is blotchy and his lips are covered with burn sores. You first, my good sir. You have the look of a true chowder hound about you. I'm literally burning for more, my friend. It took me almost a lifetime to find my true calling, but I can wait another moment longer. It appears that today is your day. He gestures to the flat Stanley Cup. Tell you what, friend, how about our friend the challenge between like-minded enthusiasts? Nobody can guzzle clams at high velocity like yours truly, but I have a feeling I'd like to see you try. It's a deal, pal. Loser pays the cleaning bill. Oh, damn, it's on. I hope you are up for a challenge. I've been taking facefuls of chatter since I was knee-high to a muskrat, mister. Lewis approaches and squints at Tucker. Back for more, eh? Told you I shot the best cream clam sauce this side of the Grand Tetons. Sorry about last time. That sandwich guy settled things up. But who can blame me? You hoggies all look alike to me. He glances at the snitch. Except for this guy. He looks like he knows his way around hose. A bitter fool don't want me to fill up his victory cup for his friends. Snitch turns the cup sideways, and Lewis sees that it is indeed totally flat. Screw protection, man. We're here to drink from the house. 
Large Marge makes the chatter hose arm gesture. We see Lewis's eyes widen with a sudden surge of amorousness. The team pushes their way into the restaurant. Lewis shuts the door and flips on a closed private party sign. Through the door, we hear the splattering of chowder on soft body parts and loud cheers and jubilation. Cut to a random conference room somewhere in the bells of the airport. Shaw Kay, Lawyer, Reynolds, and Hamilton are seated around a table. They are signing a stack of papers. And Joe Frank is taking pictures. The cake is in the center of the table. Two old metal ceiling fans churn away overhead. Joe Frank holds his hand up to an air vent. I gotta hand it to you, boss. How the hell did you manage to get the air conditioner working again? This thing hasn't been on in years. <laughs> he sniffs the vent. Where this thing? You'd think it would be pumping out stale air, but this smells like Disneyland on a payday. Turns out it wasn't a mechanical problem after all, but a metaphysical one. He smiles and hands a signed paper over to Shaw K. Well, kid, it's all done. I'm so glad we could be a part of your journey. You know, sometimes things happen for a reason, and sometimes that reason isn't always clear to us at the time. But I do believe that the good Lord puts us where we need to go in the long run. I believe my client has a few words to say before we cut the cake. Lance, as you said, Nick, things happen for a reason, and a few weeks ago, even with my lottery winnings, I didn't see how I'd be able to afford to complete my last mission to bring back the shocker to every nook and cranny of the world, but now, with free first-class air travel for life, that dream has become a reality, and I'm so glad you could all be a part of it. They all gather around Shaquay's wheelchair for a photo op. With Shaquay holding the legal deal up with the ring finger of a shocker, and Hamilton holding the cake slicer. Just as Joe Frank is about to click the photo, there's a rumbling, and the room begins to shake. Oh god! Earthquake! Reynolds moves to get under the table, and everyone just looks at him like he's insane. What are you doing, Nick? Reynolds gets up from under the table. What? D doesn't anyone else feel that? Uh, f feel what? Reynolds puts his ear to the ground. I can hear at least eight horses. No shoes, probably native. They're coming this way. Uh-oh, I think he's having a stroke from a sudden lack of stress. Anybody know CPR? Boss, boss, can, can you lift your arms up? Cuts a Reynolds' point of view. The room is still shaking as if a group of mounted warriors is approaching fast. Suddenly, an Indian brave on a horse comes charging through the wall. He has a tattoo over his face of an eagle with wings spread out wide. He gallops over the table, and as he passes, he reaches out with a decorated feathered stick and taps the axle of one of the old ceiling fans. It makes a horrible sound and comes tearing off of the ceiling, still spinning and striking the lawyer on top of the head. Blood spatters across the camera and we switch back to the normal fourth wall view. Reynolds is kneeling on the floor peeking out at the scene through his fingers, which are held up to protect his face. The lawyer is holding his head and screaming. His expensive white suit is red with blood. Joe, Frank, and Hamilton are frozen with shock, both spattered with a large amount of blood. Shockay is also shocked, sitting frozen with his mouth open and the now red signed contract still held up in his shocker finger. Without thinking, he twitches and the contract falls, the white pages fluttering out and landing all over the room, where they slowly soak up the blood. Suddenly there is a horrible sound, as if someone threw a wrench into a garbage compactor. 
a large cloud of brown smoke starts to spew out of the air conditioner vent. Oh my god! Oh my god! Reynolds picks up what looks to be some kind of roadkill kitten off the table and realizes it is Lance Handler's hair. Oh my god! Cut back to the drop-off zone. Reynolds is leaning against a pole, smoking a cigarette, and watching some paramedics load a stretcher into an ambulance. He is sweating profusely in the LA heat, and his suit is ruined, soggy, rumpled, and covered in blood. He says nothing. He's just watching the world unfold. A steady stream of travelers is pulling up and getting out of cars. They all look horrified as they step out, covering their noses and moaning about the smell. Christ, Betty, what the hell is that? Reynolds waves at a middle-aged couple and greets them. Howdy! Welcome to JWA, folks! Fuck off, creep! The paramedics wrap up and the ambulance pulls away. Reynolds finishes off his smoke and tosses the butt out into the street. He sighs and walks back inside. We see Reynolds sloshing his way through the airport, leaving bloody footprints behind. Everyone he passes is complaining about the smell. Okay, who dealt it? Or the heat. Oh fuck, I think I've hit menopause. Or the smell and the heat. Are they burning garbage to power this place? Just past check-in, he sees Sinbad has moved his business out front. Sinbad has set up a large white tent with some kind of machinery attached to it and power cords running here and there. A sign above the tent reads, Cool off with hot carls. As Reynolds approaches the tent, he hears the sounds of people moaning in ecstasy from inside. Sinbad is on the prowl, talking up passing travelers. Hey there, sir. Your wife looks like she would like some hot carls. What the fuck? Definitely not. Actually, I'd love some. Hey, you never know until you ask. Sinbad gets a glimpse of Reynolds, his eyebrows shoot up. Damn, boss, you look like shit. Yeah, thanks. How about hitting me up with a hot five minutes in your cool tent? No way, I got customers. Hot cars got standards, you know? Reynolds grumbles and walks off. (sighs) Suddenly his phone starts ringing. He pulls it out of his suit and then tries to find a dry spot on his pants to wipe it off before he flips it open. Finally, he takes the call. Hello? Cut to the craft services table at a film shoot. We see Sharon Cox loading up a plate from a giant hoagie. She's holding a phone and talking into it. All sorts of strange film people are rushing back and forth hurriedly. James Kahn is busy stuffing several feet of hoagie into his jacket pockets. He has a couple of ice cream stains on his shirt. Nick, hi, it's Sharon. Yeah, sorry about last night. Oh no, I didn't mean to scare you off, but I understand the first time jitters. I just wanted you to know I had a great time and you're welcome back anytime. You did? Oh, that's, that's great. (laughs) That's great. Here I've been worrying myself all day. Why didn't you call? Oh, yeah, wow. Well, anyway, we can talk later, but I wanted to tell you something. You were saying you thought the airport was haunted? Well, there's this guy calls himself a paranormal bounty hunter. He's got a bit of a reputation, you know, but he doesn't advertise. Doesn't need to. He's kind of exclusive. People around here call him the Ghostbusters to the stars. No, he's good. He's good. He did Gwyneth's wine cellar? Anyway, he owes me a favor, you know. So... I pulled a few strings. He was in town today on a job for Charlie Sheen and, and Sheen got arrested. Yeah, I know. And anyway, the job got canceled and he's free the rest of the afternoon. He can get down to JWA by 5 p.m. Oh, you're very welcome, Nick. Just off screen, we hear someone yell. Oh, fuck. And something large falling over, resulting in a lot of crashing and banging sounds. There are people screaming, and the distinct sound of someone angrily kicking at a large pile of junk. 
You hear the voice of Martin Scorsese shouting off screen. How the fuck gaff this piece of shit? Cox looks distressed and turns to run off screen. Sorry, Nick, gotta go. I'll text you his number. Call me. She hangs up the phone and exits rapidly. Scene 26, Bounty Hunter. Scene opens on Reynolds greeting a strange-looking dude with a mullet, a very nice suit, sunglasses, and one of those metallic briefcases. It is paranormal bounty hunter Dick Grabowski. Fantasy cast Harvey Keitel. They're standing in the parking garage of the airport. There are a few cars and vans parked around. Dick, thanks for coming. Dick just grunts and looks around. Eh. Hard getting here, Dick? Dick continues to peer around. I've had tighter jams. Oh, those are the best. The tighter the better, right, Dick? <clears throat> well, you're probably wondering what this is all about. See, uh, this is a very sensitive area, Dick, and we all want to make sure no one loses their heads. <sighs> you came highly recommended to me by, well, a mutual friend. Who? He's been talking about Dick. Well, I- I'm sure she'd like to remain anonymous, but uh, she said your services were in high demand and you were the best in your field. She did, did she? Ghostbuster to the stars is how she referred to you, I- if I recall. Said you can't get a better bang for your buck than you get from Dick. Dick really delivers the goods, she said. Oh yeah, Dick is all about busting, all right. So... Let's talk turkey, Mr. Reynolds. You said something about needing old Dick to fire off a few rounds, eh? Yeah, exactly. But not quite. Unload on me, pal. So, I need you to come with me to the spirit plane and, uh, we'll fuck up some ghost Indians. Cleanse it, you know. Unclog the pipes, I guess. I see. You got beef with some canoe jockeys, huh? Uh, I think they're Apaches, actually, but yeah, huge beef. Dick nods. That's my expertise. You heard the part about the spirit world, right? Dick lights a cigarette and takes a long drag. (sighs) Listen, Head Cheese. I'm going to tell you something about the spirit world. When it comes to the dead, you're damned if you do, and damned if you don't. (sighs) Dick flicks his cigarette away. We see it land next to an LNG tank, but neither one of them seems to notice. Let me tell you a story, Turtleneck. Once upon a time in Nazi-occupied Poland, a peasant and his wife were walking along a dusty path, when a German officer rode up in a jeep. The officer stopped in front of them, and he told the man he was going to... Oh, oh yeah, I know this one. My mother was half Czech. (laughs) His balls get really dusty, right? (laughs) Right. Dick pauses and looks disturbedly at Reynolds. So you see where I'm going with this, then? Reynolds absolutely does not. Absolutely. Reynolds takes a foil packet from his jacket. With that, I think we're ready to start blowing our load. Uh, of bullets. He unwraps the foil and hands Dick a piece of brownie. And takes one for himself. Suddenly the side door of a rapey-looking van slides open and Hoffman pops out. Reynolds squeals and jumps back. <gasps> Dick quickly pulls a 50s sci-fi-looking ray gun. Give me some brown. Reynolds fans himself. Oh. Fuck, Hoffman. We agreed I was going to handle this. Brown me. Reynolds sighs and hands him a piece of brownie. <sighs> okay, on three. One, two. Both Hoffman and Dick eat theirs on two. God damn it, I said... 
repeats his piece. Suddenly the entire screen is filled with an orange explosion as the cigarette ignites the LNG tank. But luckily the boys escape to the spirit world just in time. Cut to the spirit world. Orange light dissolves into a glaring sun and we see the boys standing at the base of a box canyon, shin deep in garbage and busted washing machines and shit. Dick is dressed like Davy Crockett. Hoffman is dressed like Woody from Toy Story. And Reynolds is dressed like Colonel Sanders. Reynolds looks down at his outfit. What the shit? Dick puts his hand up for silence. Camera pans around the canyon. We see a few Indian braves squatting amongst the sagebrush, peering at the guys. All with tomahawks. Maybe a couple of them rip wet farts. Cut back to Dick, who has his blaster out. He fires a quick volley of shots. In a series of cool trick shots, and the Indians vaporize in little puffs of purple smoke. Whoa! Nice, Dick! The fuck did you say? That's quite a piece you got there. Bitch! What? Dick twirls the ray gun. Yep. It's for messing things up on the other side. He blows the tip. Custom made by the best paranormalist in Century City. My mentor, Mike Rapini. Cut to another squad of Indians sneaking through the brush toward them. Dick spots them and blasts off another volley. The Indians go poof. Within moments, a breeze blows through, clearing away some of the filth. Yay! It's working! Yeehaw! Cut to a quick montage scene of Dick blowing the hell out of little groups of ones and twos. Each time an Indian vaporizes, a bunny hops into the frame. Or a flower blooms. Cut to Reynolds picking up a bunny and petting it bites his hand, then he throws it into an old washing machine and kicks the door shut. Cut again to a wide shot. More drums slowly begin to play as the camera pans up the canyon wall, pausing when it reaches the top. The war drums get louder and faster, and soon Indians begin to gather all along the rim of the canyon. More and more keep arriving until we see a huge army of Indians massed at the top. The three guys are surrounded, and it is clear they won't be able to hold out. Oh, shit me sideways. That's a rim full of engines. Uh, Dick, I don't think you have the juice for this. Dick just sneers. You have no fucking idea how much goddamn juice this baby can hold. Dick screams and charges up the slope towards the army. Die, you goddamn motherfuckers! The Indian warriors give a shout. And they all begin to swarm down the slope of the canyon like a tidal wave. Reynolds and Hoffman just stare, then look at each other and scream. Overhead, a huge clap of thunder cracks. And a storm of shit brown water starts cascading down. Reynolds and Hoffman turn tail and start to run. A bunch of Indians start after them. Cut to Dick in the midst of a battle. He's shooting and offing a bunch of Indians, but there's two to replace each one he hits. Soon he is so surrounded, he can't even hold out his ray gun. He disappears in a scrum of braves. We see one raise a tomahawk over his head and bring it down. And we hear Dick scream. <laughs> Cut back to Reynolds and Hoffman, high stepping. Did, 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 did you hear that? Uh, probably just uh, gas. Uh. Suddenly they run into a wall of Indians whooping and holding spears. They come to a halt. The shit rain still pouring down. Suddenly, the side of the canyon collapses in a mudslide. 
sweeping the wall of Indians away. But also taking Reynolds and Hoffman with it. The screen fills with brown sludge, which resolves into a tub of chocolate ice cream at Dylan's. A metal scoop moves across the screen. Camera pulls back to show Hoffman and Reynolds standing stupefied before the counter. Two scoops of the tides, they need a change in. Wasn't it? Huh? What? Where's Dick? Hoffman shakes his head to clear it. What? What? What the? He picks up his ice cream and stares at it confoundedly. Hey, where are my sprinkles, Jack Fate? Saturday. Scene 27. Public meeting. Scene opens on a handwritten note taped on the glass door of the JWA Conference Center, reading, Emergency meeting tonight. Be there or be square. Camera pulls back to show Reynolds standing off to one side on his phone, a sharpie and a roll of scotch tape in the other hand. This is a big fucking deal. Just get your people down here. Yeah. Seven o'clock. See ya. He snaps the phone shut, admires his handiwork, and then moves to make a quick correction with a sharpie. He suddenly realizes he's writing on the glass, then tries to rub it off to no avail, swears, fuck, and then just quickly strides off. Cut to Reynolds in the airport kitchens, handing a fistful of chatterhose coupons to a sketchy-looking busboy, who hands Reynolds a baggie of white powder which he pockets. Reynolds holds his hand up for a high five, but the busboy leaves him hanging. Cut to Reynolds in an apron and hairnet behind the counter of Orange Julius, where he has put out the closed sign. We see him opening can after can of Hawaiian punch and pouring them into a huge cooler. At some point, he tips the contents of the baggie into the mix. Cut to Reynolds, now in a nice suit and smiling, wheeling the giant cooler on a wheeled tray into the conference center. He parks it at the back, next to a table full of dip witches, then checks his watch and starts laughing. <laughs> he walks to the doors. There's a large crowd of protesters outside, holding signs and chanting. He unlocks the doors and throws them wide open. Welcome, friends. Glad you can make it. Please, come in. We've got some refreshments here, and we'll be all set to begin once everyone is here. The crowd of protesters moves in past him, most of them giving him dirty looks and grumbling. Everyone starts drinking the punch. Reynolds goes up and gets himself a cup, bumping into a hottish, hairy-pitted female protester in a tank top. Uh, this is Wendy Pitt. Oh, pardon me, miss. Aren't you Nick Reynolds? Why, uh, yes I am. Thanks for coming. I, I think you're going to really like what we've got planned for tonight. I hope the crabs in your pubes get scabies and lay their eggs in your piss hole. She absently scratches herself as she stares him down before walking away. Okay, gross. Reynolds turns and sees Cox. He starts and looks for somewhere to hide. Shit! Cox calls to him. Nick! Nick! I can see you! Reynolds peers around from behind a potted plant. Sharon! Great! You made it! What's this all about? I did what you told me. I got my people here. What's going on? Reynolds pats her on the shoulder. Trust me, Sharon. You're gonna love it. I gotta go, but make sure you get a good seat. He makes his way off as he speaks. In the background, we see that Jenny has infiltrated the crowd. She is disguised as a hipster-looking protester with horn-rimmed glasses. She slyly tips something out of a vial into the punch as she pours herself a drink. 
Cut to Reynolds ducking into a corridor outside the hall. We see Joe Frank and Hamilton emerge from the men's room. Joe Frank has white powder on his nose. Fellas, this is make or break time. Uh, I vote for break. Joe Frank looks down. Oh lordy, is it me or does this carpet look like Chef Boyardee threw a bakaki party at Liberace's yard sale? Reynolds and Hamilton also look down. Hamilton retches a bit. <laughs> Gross. Uh, li- listen boys, no matter what happens tonight, I want you to know I've always mostly enjoyed working with you two, for the most part. Like, six out of ten. But definitely give you two a, you know, a decent yelp. He collapses hands, grins wide. Okay, showtime! Reynolds turns and walks back into the conference center. The guys follow. Cut to conference center interior. There's a crowd of maybe 50 people, all of them with red solo cups in their hands. Mostly they're just milling about, waiting. Reynolds walks to the little podium and begins to talk. Ahem. Wow. What a turnout. Thanks for coming, everyone. I'm Nick Reynolds, general manager of JWA. There's a loud chorus of boos. Ha, 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 yeah, I thought you might say that. Louder boos. Okay, I got it. You're probably wondering why I've asked you here this evening. He pauses to drink from his cup. Then smacks his lips. Hmm. That's actually really good. Well, folks, what can I say? Your months and months of bitching and pissing and moaning have finally opened my eyes. Tonight, I'm happy to announce that John Wayne Airport will officially be renamed. The crowd is silent for a moment, then erupts into cheers. To what? Uh, well, that, that's an excellent question, and part of the reason I asked you all here. Now, renaming things has become, well, the hot new thing lately, and you want to do it, right? But on the other hand, renaming causes huge disruptions, costs a ton of guild, money that could be used for other things, uh, like noise abatement or some shit. I mean, who likes airplane noise? No one, am I right? Feeble applause. So, anywho... He pulls a small scrap of paper from his pocket. I took the liberty of jotting down a couple suggestions. Now, I know there's some interest in renaming the airport after a different actor with local roots, but one who wasn't such a racist fuck. So, how about that dude from Twilight? But I couldn't remember his name, which brings me to my next point. So, a while back, King County up in Seattle wanted to jettison their old name, some racist slave owner jerk, and they didn't want the extra hassle of ordering new stationery and shit, so they just said, hey, that King guy we're named after. Well, actually, that's Martin Luther King. Boom! Problem solved. The crowd stares on in suspicious silence. Anyway, so I'm thinking we already have a good name, John Wayne. More booze. Everyone knows it for good or ill, so why not rename the airport after a different John Wayne? You with me? John Wayne Dangle. I went to junior college with him. Hell of a guy. John Wayne Gacy! See? Now you're talking. John Wayne Bobbitt! Yeah, now you're using your head. Keep him coming. Marion Morrison. Uh, Who's she? Anyway, I've- Bruce Wayne! Uh. Heck, yeah, that almost works. Aunt Jemima! <laughs> well, well, no, uh, now, now you're missing the point. Uh. Grandpa Zorni! Dad Michael Vincent. RuPaul! Grabbing you out! Sensing a sinking ship, Reynolds waves his hands uh. to try to get everyone's attention. Hey! Hey, hello! Okay, I thought that idea might not work, so I came up with a bit of more constructive way to do this. He walks over to a projector screen and lifts it. Revealing an old chalkboard. On the chalkboard are three category headers written down. Cheap, expensive, and controversial. 
There are suggested starter names under each one to provide examples. John Wayne Dangle, Mr. Rogers, and Cesar Chavez. Okay, so this should help put a little structure on this. We will write each suggestion down, categorize it, and then we can vote at the end. So let's see, what was it? Oh yeah! He writes John Wayne Gacy down in the first column. Okay, let's start again. Malcolm X. Definitely a third column name there. He writes it down. Penny Marshall. Arl Hershheiser. Reynolds writes. Awesome, folks. I, I think we're getting somewhere. Kanye. Frank Zappa. The crowd basically just starts throwing out names, chugging the punch, getting loopy and handsy. Someone starts playing the bongos. And a few of them break off into a little circle and start hippie dancing. After a few minutes, Reynolds starts feeling shaky and hands the chalk over to Himmelfart. The board looks like some sort of junior high school notebook cover. Reynolds steps back from the podium and watches the crowd. Wow, this is great! He chugs his punch. Lamb chop! The crowd cheers. Several people start taking their clothes off. We see Joe Frank and Hamilton trading shoes. Cox starts grinding on the potted plant. Nina Totenberg! Fuck yeah! Now that's what's up! Rachel Dolezal! crowd whoops and all semblance of normality slips away. People are moving as though in a dreamlike state, weaving through each other like atoms. Some are singing different songs at different tempos. Some are dancing. Some are getting busy. Reynolds loosens his tie and kicks his shoes off. Hamilton scurries over and grabs them and puts them on his hands and starts walking around on all fours. Jim Frank saddles him and rides him around. Reynolds starts the boogie, dirty dancing with a support pillar. His phone chirps. Yellow! Fudgeback. What's cracking? Oh, that's, uh... Just a little get-together with some smelly Oberlin dropouts. What? Uh, that is, uh... I don't think it's really your kind of crowd. Lots of them, uh... uh he peers around. Melting faces and furry kumquats in here. Uh, well, it's not exactly a Joel Shoemaker joint, you know? You don't... You don't... He looks down. Um, I think my ankles are on the other line. I gotta go! He hangs up. The crowd is whipping itself into a blissed out frenzy slash orgy. Cox saunters over to Reynolds. Nick, you sly goat, you. She drapes herself on him. He bleats awkwardly. I knew once you saw it from our perspective, you'd come around. Uh, yeah, well, you know. A lot of things went into this, but yeah, thanks for the, uh, soft opening. Oh, anytime. She starts pawing at him, pulling him down to the floor. Hang on, I just had a brilliant idea. He untangles himself and runs off, pulling his phone out. He is weaving and bumping into shit as he goes. He passes Jenny, who he doesn't recognize, carrying a tray of drinks. He grabs one and chugs it down. Uh, hello? Do you read me? Come in? Ah, uh, yes, my good man. <clears throat> this is Nicholas Filbert Reynolds, a.k.a. Nick Reynolds. A.K.A. General Manager of JWA. 
Is this the FAA? Uh, yes. Perfect. I have some great news for you. Are you sitting down? He plops onto his ass. Same here, bro. Okay, listen up. I'm about to solve a big, fat, hairy, uncircumcised problem that's been plaguing us for a long time. Uh, yeah? We'll, we'll talk to your rabbi. A anyway, we're changing the name of JWA. <laughs> I know, right? Well, after long and careful consideration, we've decided to go with... Drumroll, please. Cincinnati Central Bus Depot. Well, that's the genius of it. Who could possibly be offended by that? Ha! Suck it, Cesar Chavez! He hangs up and throws his phone into the garbage can. On the pull-down movie screen in the conference center wall, somebody has pulled up the Duke's colonoscopy video. He pauses to watch it, striking a thoughtful pose. Holy sands of Iwo Jima! Look at the size of those polyps! Hamilton walks by carrying a huge plum, biting into it juicily. Reynolds' eyes bug out and he punches it out of his mouth. You don't know where that's been, Ham! You haven't seen what I've seen! Uh, I grew that with my own fertilizer, you celery fucker! They lunge at each other, but sort of just fall over and lay on the ground. Ah, oh, hell, let's go suck from the hose. They help each other up and try to make their way out of the conference center. Only they are unable to find the door. And Reynolds finds some chalk in his pocket and draws a door on the wall. Hamilton opens it and walks through. Reynolds steps into it and smashes his face into the wall. As he rubs his face, the camera starts to wander, lingering on the scene like a civil war battlefield, bodies strewn all over, writhing and contorting in pleasure slash hallucination. The air is filled with screaming and laughing and weeping.